You're listening to Awakening with Rabbi Ami Silver on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Ami as he shares from the wellsprings of Jewish spiritual teaching and practice and guides us on a path of healing, transformation, and awakening to experiencing the divine. Tishabov is the day of asking questions that have no answers. The book we read, Echa, the words spoken by Yirmiyahu when he witnessed the Chorban Abayit, when he witnessed the not only the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, but if you read Echa, just the complete dissolving of all sense of sanity, goodness, order, health, everything around him. When he saw this happen before his eyes, he asked the word Echa. And Echa isn't a question that's expecting an answer. It's not how did this happen, asking to be explained how it happened and then to be satisfied. It's giving voice to an experience of confronting that which feels impossible and asking a question that is asking a question just to ask the question, not because there is an answer, because in truth there is no answer. It's more a statement of shock than a question seeking some kind of resolution. In fact, the fullness of that question is for it to be allowed to be asked and just to ring in the air, that kind of haunting question. And in a sense, that's what the day of Tisha B'Av invites us to do, to let go of our normative structures, let go of our normal ways of interacting with one another, let go of our normal ways of relating to our environment, right? We're not greeting each other normally. We're not talking to one another normally. We're not reading the same books we usually read. We're not sleeping in the same bed we usually sleep in or sitting on the chairs we sit on. We're not davening the way we're used to be davening. We sit in an environment where the structures are released and we sit barefoot on the floor in the dark with our eyes mostly downward. And we read Eicha, we read the words of the prophets that just ask the question in all different kinds of ways. How could this possibly be? How can you allow this to happen, God? An expression of shock and dismay. And then we read keynotes, which we recite keynote, which are basically... Po- later poetic renderings that are asking the same questions that Yirmiyahu was asking in Eicha and just giving it a little more of a fuller picture. All of these pieces really just recognizing that what we're confronting on Tisha B'av is not merely a historical tragedy. What we're confronting on Tisha B'av is an encounter that took place 
time and time again in our history and continues to pervade in our lives, which is we look at a world, we look at a reality that when we just look at it up close, the whole narrative and story we build around this world seems to fall in the face of this loss, of this impossibility becoming possible. And yet most of the year we live somehow around those uncomfortable realities. We're protected from them to the degrees that we're protected from them. And thank God, I think we all know that that's important for our survival and sanity. And there's one day of the year where we look at those things up close, where we sit with them, and where we give them voice. Where that ambiguous loss and all the ambiguous losses are in a sense lifted out of their ambiguity and brought to the surface. They're spoken. They're named. They're wailed. They're seen. I want to share teaching from Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. Rabbi Nachman teaches in the Kute Maran uh, Torah Resh Mem Zayin, Remez, Torah 247. He says, He's quoting from the section of the Zohar known as the Raya Mehemna in Parshat Tzav, Daf Kafzain, says that Teku, that's brought up in the Gemara, when the, when the Gemara gets to a question that they don't have an answer to, a debate that has no resolution, a machloket that cannot be resolved, so instead of issuing a, a uh, halacha, they say Teku. In modern Hebrew, Teku means tie, tie game. Nobody wins, nobody loses. Teku in the Gemara means this is a question that doesn't have an answer. And the commentators teach us that Teku is, is an acronym for Tishbi, Yitaritz Kushio to Bayot. Eliyahu, the Tishbi, is going to solve, bring an answer to our kashias and our questions, to our places that we're stuck to the questions that confound us that we cannot find an answer to. The understanding is that teku means this is a question that stands until the coming of Mashiach, until Elijah the prophet comes and can offer some kind of answer. Rabbi Nachman says that whenever it says teku in the Gemara, according to the Zohar, teku is bechinat michusar tikun. It's tikun, Repair, wholeness, healing, fixing, that is lacking. What's missing from the state of tikkun, of wholeness, is the nun, the last letter. And it's that missing nun that brings us to a state of teku, of being stuck in our question, of not being able to move beyond it. Rabbi Nachman goes on, Vidash Ezot Hanun Pshuta. This 
what's called nun pshuta, the elongated nun, at the end of the word, shenechzeret mahatikun v'naaseh b'chinateiku, azai hinishpelet v'nichpepet, v'naaseh mizeh b'chinat kinot, shu'ot yot tikun. What happens when this nun is missing from tikun? Nun, not only a letter, but in the section of Zohar that he's Drawing from the Zohar says the Nun there is representative of Olam Haba. It is the fulfilled reality of the promised future of the world that is arriving, of the clarity and knowing that can be and will be accessed but just is not reachable right now. Nun Kabbalistically also has to do with all of the gates of Bina, of understanding, of insight being fully open, and when that noon is missing, we confront a situation where we cannot see, we cannot understand its state of tikkun. We cannot comprehend what this that we are witnessing looks like in a state of repair, or how perhaps it is even part of or in a state of repair. It is in a state of disrepair to us. And this leads us to teku, to a state where we cannot resolve this question. So Rabbi Nachman says that when this nun is missing, when this element of the elongated nun, be it the world to come, be it the clarity of vision, be it the understanding, when that is blocked from us, the nun becomes downcast and bent over. Nishpelet v'nichpepet And that tikkun, that state of repair, is transformed to kinot. Kinot are the deep laments, those prayers of crying and wailing that we say on Tishabav. Kinot is the same letters as tikkun. When we cannot see the repair, when we cannot access the wholeness, so we are left with crying out the brokenness, the state of disrepair, of chisaron, of lack, of what's not here. He goes on and says, it's, it's not that the noon is absent completely, but that it is inverted. We cannot access the wholeness, we can only access the broken state. Yachman ends with the prayer, Hashem Yigalenu, may God redeem us, Vitabchu Hakinot Latikun. And let those kinot, those prayers of crying and suffering, be transformed to tikun, vitaken hateku hanal, and to allow our stuckness in confronting those unresolvable questions reach its tikun, reach a place of repair, of wholeness. I believe on some level what Rabbi Nachman is speaking to is not only how do we get to a place of kinot, how do we find ourselves in a state of having to wail because we cannot see what is whole or what can be whole here, but he even ends with a prayer for that very cry to be transformed to the tikkun, that somehow the tikkun is embedded in the kinot, Rabbi Nachman takes the Zohar and he in a sense adds to it. The Zohar says, 
The nun is missing, you have teku. Rabbi Nachman says, the nun's not missing. It's bent and cast down. We suffer when we confront these situations. And we're suffering because there is a wholeness that resides here, but that is not within our reach. And Rabbi Nachman seems to be seeing the keynote as a path towards tikkun. That there is not a way to access the tikkun other than traversing the keynote that we find ourselves in, the teku, the stuck, jumbled question that we are confronted with. I want to add here, by, by bringing from the language of the Zohar itself, the Zohar, the Zohar that he's quoting from, Rai Mehemna in Parashat Sav, it says, Teku is chaser nun de late le tikkun, right? Teku, those questions without an answer, they're lacking the nun, they don't have their tikkun, chaser nun de hi alma de ate. It's missing the alma de ate, the world to come, it's related to the sphere of binat, of understanding, these gates of comprehension. That, that future reality is envisioned as a time of clarity over all that clouded us previously. But now look what the Zohar says, De tiku de alma de ate shtika. Kigon shtok. Kachala b'machshava. What is this teku of the world to come? What is this unanswerable question that we cannot access in our present reality? It's a confrontation with shtika, with silence. As Chazal says that God responds to Moshe when he says when he sees Rabbi Akiva being don't even want to say the words but when he sees the, the tragic death of Rabbi Akiva and he says this is Torah and this is its reward and God says silence this is what has arisen in my mind that there is some kind of elohit here some kind of divine conscious presence that's here in the depth of suffering that we cannot access. And God's response is, is one of silence, is one of telling us that perhaps the way to encounter this question is to sit in its silence, to not turn away from it, to not pretend it's not there, but to face the silence that we're confronted with. And it's kind of ironic that Rabbi Nachman says that really this leads us to keynote, because keynote is anything but silence. Keynote is speaking the unspeakable. It's voicing and naming all of those horrors that have befallen us. In a sense, the keynote and, and Eicha itself 
is giving voice to something that lives in silence. And it lives in silence because what's there to talk about when we don't have an answer in sight, when we don't know where it can lead us? So there is a way of confronting in silence, and there is a way of giving voice to that silence that doesn't vanquish the silence because the answer doesn't come, but that lifts up that silent reality that we suffer from, that we, we live with. So Tishabhav is the day to to at least begin to voice those questions that we may not feel we have reason or license to voice all year round. And really the kind of collapse of our regular structures is part of what releases us into this other form of interacting and of communicating. We, we explored in our last learning the time of Tammuz and Av, of you know, the Ben Hametzarim, the three weeks from Shiva Sarba Tammuz until Tisha B'Av, as Kabbalistically being related to the sense of sight, vision, and then of hearing. That Tammuz, the time when Moshe sent the spies to see the land of Israel, is related to the sense of, of sight in the Sefer Yitzira. And the month of Av is related to the sense of hearing the name of God that's uh, present more acutely during this, this uh, month of the year. That's the spelling of Hey, Vav, and Yud, and Hey comes from the Pasuk, Hasket Ushma Yisrael Hayom, which means, in a sense, be quiet and listen Israel today. It's a movement from a time when to the vision of our eyes, everything is backwards and wrong and inside out and fallen. And we are led more deeply inward from the vision which only can perceive the externals, which only can perceive that which is in our field of vision, what we can see in front of us, to the sense of hearing, which can reach to not only distances that are beyond what we can see, but to hear something it doesn't even need to be present before you. And even more so to hear, as opposed to seeing. Hearing involves actually taking in to our sensing bodies something that emits from outside of us. That seeing is much more at a distance than hearing. Seeing is me, in a sense, putting my perception on the world as it that appears before me choose much more easily in my, my vision what I can what I'm looking at, what I'm not looking at, what's in focus, what's not, what I allow to actually penetrate my awareness and what might even be right in front of me, but I'm just not looking at it. And hearing 
hearing really gets inside of us in a different way. And when I hear somebody else talking, I have to be open to what is there within them that's beyond my ability to control or limit. Hearing has a depth to it that seeing doesn't. As the the Besiakov, the Besiakov of, of Ishbitz and Radzin, he says, Vision, Ri'ia Eina Nofelet Rak al Gavan Hadavar, Kafish Nira Bachmi Bachutz. Vision is only something that falls upon the externality of things as, as they appear on the outside of Al Hashmiya, hearing Husha Adam Shomea Me Omek Kol Davar. It is hearing from the depth of everything that is. And here, in terms of what we've been speaking about, <laughs> so if I, if I let myself just encounter those questions with silence, I may begin to hear the words that they evoke. It's a different kind of expression, the echa, the kinot, the teku. It's giving words to something that can't fully be put into words, but finding a way to express it nonetheless. Because it is here, nonetheless. And and here I'd, I want to share another Torah from Rabbi Nachman, Torah Lamed Dalid, in the Kutimara, on the 34th teaching. Rabbi Nachman opens here, you know, I looked to try to see when, what time of the year he taught this Torah, and a lot of the teachings do have a date or a month, and here I couldn't find one for here. But I wonder, I wonder if it was during our time of the year. Rabbi Nachman opens with a quote from Tehillim, from Psalm from Psalm 69, but it's just shocking, shocking words to open a teaching with. K'tiv cherpa shavra libi. It's written, Kherpa, shame, disgrace, breaks my heart, has broken my heart. My heart's broken from shame. Those are his opening words. Hainu, he says, meaning that the, the shames and disgracefulness, they break a person's heart. What shame? What disgrace? He doesn't say. Maybe he doesn't need to say the cherpa, the bizayon, the sense of denigration and disgrace and shame that any and every person feels for the reasons or in the ways that we all feel them and encounter them. He says it almost as it's a given, cherpa shavra libi, my heart's broken from shame. That's what happens. V'hatikun. And the healing, the repair. Who al yedeshim mekasher libo lahanikuda hashayach libo beitazot. The tikkun for this broken-hearted experience of shame is that we attach ourselves, we attach our heart specifically to the nikuda, to the point hashayach libo beitazot. There is a point that belongs 
to my heart in this moment. And it's through connecting to this point of belonging, the point that belongs to my heart in this particular moment that is able to lift the shame off of my heart, the shame that rests upon my heart. Now, Rabbi Nachman goes on to say that the power of speech has the power truly to guide our reality, to impact our world. And he goes on to say that each and every person has a point within themselves. Davar yakar, he says, in, 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 in something that is precious. Every person has a point, a precious point within themselves that no other human being contains or possesses. And it is this point, he says, that we need to search for and try to access, to connect our heart to, that can give us solace from that cherpa, from that shame. Just to go back to that pasuk, it's from, from Tehillim 69, Cherpa Shavra Libi, the entire pasuk is, is even more heartbreaking. David Amalek says, Cherpa Shavra Libi va'anusha va'akaveh lanud va'ayin. He says, I'm, in a sense, I've completely given up. I'm hoping for consolation. And it's not to be found. And I'm looking for people to come for me. He's describing... In a sense, part of the experience that we were talking about of Tishabav, of there's something that's just breaking me, and there is no answer, there is no comfort, there is no solace or consolation. It's not here. It is not to be found. But Rabbi Nachman says that the place to turn, that which can be found is that there is a nukuda, there is a point, and a point is the smallest of things, there is a nukuda that's shayach liliba eight hazot even in this very moment or specifically in this very moment, that pertains to my heart alone, there is something some greater resource deep within myself within my own being, and it's as small as a point perhaps or as large as a point. And it is something that my heart can connect to. And he goes on and he talks about this broken heart, this disconnect between that nikuda that I'm missing, that I'm seeking, that I'm needing, and the state of brokenness. He talks about it, um, symbolized by the letters Yud and Vav, Right, the nikuda, the yud is is the smallest point, but it's also the point of chokhmah, of of wisdom. It's the point of of greater consciousness. It's the point of wholeness, even in its smallness. And the vav is is in a sense the way in which things are currently manifest, the kind of stretched out reality that we find ourselves. The the dimensions of our 
of our universe. So, for example, the Yud and the Vav is the Ten Commandments, the Aseret Dibrot, the Yud Dibrot, and the Vav is the Luchot, is the the tablets of the Torah, which are, Chazal teaches us, Vav by Vav, six by six cubits in size. And he goes on and he says that the Torah and the universe, the Torah and life, the Torah and the world are also Yud and Vav. Because, again, the Yud is the Chokhmah, is the Reshit, is the beginning point of wisdom. And the world is Vav, it was created in six days, in Vav days of, of creation. And at Tzadik and Israel are also Yud and Vav. Tzadikim connected to the Chokhmah, Chokhmeh Ha'eda. And Israel being those pillars, the Tamcheo, right, the Vavei Ha'amudim, the pillars who uphold the structure. But now look what he says, Every one of us in our own right, in our own being, has a Yud and a Vav. What is our Yud? The Yud is the mouth. The wisdom that is expressed through the mouth. The mouth even has that small opening that contains something so much greater than that point-like quality, the small circle, the orifice in our face, and the great wisdom and life that can be expressed through it. And then the Vav, the Vav is the heart. It's the understanding and insight that the heart can possess the heart is is shares in the quality of the tablets of Torah which is also Vav as it says in Mishlei attach them to your throat write them on Luach Libecha write them upon the tablet of your heart so in a sense, the mouth and the heart, the Yud and the Vav, is the word of Torah that can be written on my heart, which is like the tablets themselves. As we said, when I'm in the place of shame and disgrace, and I have no answer that I can find, no comfort I can find, the Rami Nachman is saying there's a way to grant yourself Torah, to express Chokhmah that can be written on the Bina of your heart. And then he goes into the power of speech and expression and talking. We all know Rabbi Nachman is big on Hitbodetut, so he says one way to seek to access and connect to this, the Vav and the Yud, the Yud and the Vav, is to speak by yourself to your Creator. To speak to the reality that you're in. And the other way he says is to speak to a friend. And the other way he says is to speak to a tzaddik, to speak to somebody who's who's holding a greater vision than you are currently. And what's so deep to me about this is, what is it that I'm saying when I'm speaking in this state? When I'm in the cherpa, the shivron lev, that shamed, broken heart. What I'm doing is I'm talking about my brokenness. I'm just giving it words. I'm not fixing it. I'm not finding a solution even necessarily. But I'm expressing it. I'm voicing 
the voiceless, unconsoled, shamed, broken heart in me. Or, as we do on Tishabhav, I'm asking the questions that cannot be asked because they don't have answers while well, I'm asking them anyway. I'm letting the truth of this moment be expressed through me. And this, Rabbi Nachman says, is the way to come closer to hope to contact the Nikuda Hashayach Lilibi Ba'itazot. What is the point that pertains to my heart in this moment? Well, it has to do with the reality that I'm in in this moment, but of giving my heart reality even in its current state of heartache and break. You know, Rabbi Nachman says that when the heart, when the vav, when the luchot, those tablets, the tablet of the heart, when it's sunken in this state, he says it's bivchinat shirei luchot. If my heart is the tablets, so when my heart is broken, the tablets are broken. The shivrei luchot, which begins this whole process from the month of Tammuz into Av, when Moshe descended Mount Sinai to see Israel dancing around the calf and shatter the luchot, because here he's holding that wholeness of connection between source and expression between God and the world, between Hashem's wisdom and, and the Torah, and encountering the reality in its fallen state, so then the luchot break, and the heart breaks open. And in a sense, our work, or the tikkun that's being described here, is to piece the pieces back together. Not necessarily to reconstruct what was, but to take the broken shard of my heart and connect it with that lost point of wisdom, of divine expression, of Torah, of hope, of communication that is still here and that has been broken off as a shard. So when I speak to a friend, in honesty and just share what's in my heart when I, when I reach out and communicate what's in my heart to God when I speak to a tzaddik or somebody sitting in the position higher than me in each of these interactions I may yet find something that offers a sense of integrity to me in a state that I felt impossible to exist within before. Yes, my heart is broken. Yes, things are incomplete. Oh, but can I lift the shame a little bit? Can the cherpa be lifted off my heart? Can I find a point of contact with what is here right now, within myself as I am right now? If I can find a point of contact with this, and I can speak it and share what's going on here, lifted out of the shadows, so I may have hope for the cherpa to be lifted, for the sense of disgrace and shame to uncover my heart. And then what I'm left with is a heart 
that's here that is here even in this it's coming back into contact with something of me that can be whole even as I'm in a state of being broken even as things are hard and incomplete and as much as in Tammuz and Av we encounter what seems to be almost a split between seeing and hearing between what we witness in front of us and what we may be turning our ear more deeply to to hear and comprehend there is a possibility for vision and hearing to merge to come together to create a different kind of knowing and perception. Not a knowing and perception that has to cut one off for the sake of the other, that I can only look at what's in front of me and not hear beyond it, or I can only listen to something that's not apparent right in my field of vision. But perhaps through going through these corridors of seeing and its breakdown and hearing and its breakdown or possibility for listening more deeply, there may emerge a new kind of embrace, a perception that can embrace both what is here and what is beyond and within what is here in front of us. And here, I come back to the giving of the Torah itself. There was a vision of that which can be heard. As Rashi says, To see the voice. The description of experiencing Matan Torah is seeing that which is heard. Which really, in a sense, means to encounter in a visceral sense, in a revealed way, the unseen depth that is here, that is usually only accessed through sound. But no, here at Matan Torah, the receiving of Torah is an ability to see what is usually only heard. For the depth of reality to be encountered in the most manifest expressive the Bnei Saskar, when he when he describes this process of Tammuz and Av, he says that ultimately where we get to after Tisha B'Av is Tu B'Av, when the Gemara says the the women uh, the unmarried women would go out into the field and they would they would be playing music with tupot and mucholim and they would be tupim and mucholot they would have d- drums and and dance circles making music, making sound, and they would say, and they would call out, look, young men, look upon upon us. And, and, and this is the way that the, the men and the women would find their mates. But what he's saying is happening here is there's an integrating between sound and sight, hearing and vision that come together for people to find one another. 
for people to be able to see not only with the vision of externality, but we will be able to open our eyes and see with a sense of being able to also perceive the depth that is in front of us. And perhaps if we can train our ears to listen more deeply, at first with our eyes closed, hearing the unspoken questions, hearing the unspeakable words, giving them voice, letting the silence turn into words or cries or both, the more that we can bring the invisible into visibility, the more we may be able to have a fuller sensed appreciation of what is here and what truly can be here. I'm going to end with coming to the, the end of Yirmiyahu's words in, in Eicha, the last chapter opens, Zechor Hashem Mehayalano, remember God what happens to us, what we've been through. Habita Look upon and see our cherpa. Look at our shame. See our shame. This is the prayer that Yirmiyahu ends Eicha with, asking God to not ignore the shame that has befallen us from having gone through what we've gone through. Because we have not always been, we have not only been in a state of disgrace. But we know and have known greater wholeness. And the shame is something that covers over the wholeness that we've known. And we're asking God, don't let this make us invisible. See what we've been through. And with a prayer for that vision from beyond us and for that vision from within us and for that hearing and listening to, to bring us a little bit closer to what's here and what can be, a little bit closer to our own ability to be here in our lives more fully and to be here for one another more fully. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Ravdaniel Cohn. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.